0: About. I'm Santa Claus. No, you're not. Uh, well, why, of course I am! <laughs> you're Santa, what song did I sing for you on your birthday this year? Uh, a happy birthday, of course! <laughs> uh, so, uh, how old are you, son? Oh you You're a big boy. What's your name? Paul. And uh, what can I Paul, get you for Christmas? don't tell him what you want. He's a liar. Let the kid talk. You disgust me. How can you live with yourself? Just cool it, Zippy. You sit on a throne of lies. Look, I'm not kidding. You're a fake. I'm a fake? Yes. How'd you like to be dead? Huh? No, he's kidding. You stink. I think you're gonna have a good Christmas, all right? You smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) go. Oh! Ah! He's He's a fake! He's a fake! He's a fake! Good. That clip had absolutely nothing to do with anything we're talking about today, but it's Christmas season, and it's the best season of the year. So here's what to expect over the next coming weeks till Christmas. Every year at STSA, we sing Christmas songs, we watch Christmas video clips, and we talk about Christmas as much as we can because it is the happiest time of the year. So I hope you appreciate it. We're starting a series today called Realizing Rich, which is perfect for this Christmas season. But before we start it, I need to do a little bit of scientific research. So you know that sometimes I come up here and I start the well off by saying, you know, raise your hand if, or raise your hand if, and I know some people absolutely positively hate that, but I'm gonna start off with that again, but this is not just for fun, people. This is in the name of science, okay? This is the way I do my scientific research, so help me out, play along right here, and raise your hand as we begin a series talking about realizing rich. If you ever, at some point in your life, either as a child, or as a teenager, or young man, or woman, or maybe even just last night, dreamed of being rich one day. How many people ever dreamed of being rich? There's no shame in it. Okay, with me, it was Ed McMahon. This is the sweepstakes. I would check that mail every day. We've all dreamed of being rich. Now, how many people, okay, would keep their hands up and say that they have achieved riches? That they would classify themselves as, yes, like I'm a rich person now. How many people? Okay, very scarce. Okay, fine. Put your hands down. Okay, how about this one? How many people would say that they know somebody else? Who they would classify as rich, like not someone on TV, but someone that you know. Will classify as rich, okay? Again, most hands go up. Isn't it interesting that all of us want to be rich, or at least wanted at some point in time. None of us think we are rich, but we all know someone else who's rich. Okay, let me ask one more question. This is probably the most important question of them all. Raise your hand if you think that there's someone out there who may be raising his hand and saying, "I know someone who's rich," and may be describing. You, raise your hand. We're starting a new series today called Realizing Rich. And the question that we're going to ask here today in part one is, what is rich? What is rich? A term that we all use. We all kind of have an idea that we think we know what rich means. But what is rich? How can I define what rich is? Rich is the opposite of poor. Poor we know. Okay. Poor we've experienced. Poor was when I couldn't pay the bills. Poor was maybe when I first got married. Poor was when my kids had to go to college. Poor, we understand what poor is. But if I would ask you to define rich, what is rich? Is there a line? Like here you are poor today and you're poor and then all of a sudden you're rich. Is there like a line that you cross? And if so, how do we know when we cross that line? And even further, is there a chance that we've crossed the line and we don't realize it? Like some people get rich in a quick moment. Like I said, you win the sweepstakes, you're the Powerball guy, you're that guy who lives in the trailer, whatever, you won the Powerball, okay? Or some people, you know, rich uncle dies, boom, you went from poor to rich overnight. Or your kid comes home and says, I'm uh, engaged to Bill Gates' son, or something like that, boom, all right? There are people who go from poor to rich in a snapshot, or in a snap of the fingers. But for the other 99.999% of people who are rich, how do you know when you're rich? We're going to ask ourselves that question, what is rich? And I think it's an important topic to figure out, especially today. For those who are here this morning, okay, when we celebrated the liturgy together, we read a gospel reading from Mark chapter 10. And it's a story of a man who was rich, but didn't think he was rich. And I say that because Jesus came to this man who had lots and lots and lots of possessions. So most people would have identified this guy as, hey, that's a rich guy. And Jesus said, if you are rich, I need you to do the following. And the man did not do what Jesus said. He did not accept what Jesus asked him to do because he said in his mind, Well, actually, I'm not really rich. I actually, I'm lacking and I need more and I, and I can't give up what I have because then I would be poor. And the man left very sad. And then after the man left, Jesus said the following words. We're going to pay close attention to these words that Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verse 23 through 25. Jesus said, after the man left, okay, the man left sorrowful. He didn't want to give his, give his stuff away. Jesus said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. You see right here, Jesus makes like his analysis or his commentary on what just took place. And he says to his disciples that riches and salvation is a tricky subject. And when you are rich, you have to be really careful or else you're at risk of losing the salvation thing and the kingdom of God thing. And not only did he tell them that in words, but then he painted a picture for them. In case they didn't get it with his words, he said, let me draw you a picture. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus said, Be careful if you're rich in the kingdom of God. Be careful. And the people were like, Uh, we don't get it. So Jesus said again, Trust me. Trust in riches and and salvation. Be careful. People said, Uh, we don't get it. So Jesus said, Here's a needle. See that big fat camel? It is more likely for that camel to go through this eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples said, Got you. Message received. Now, with that said, we hear the same gospel read to us this morning. We just read it right now. We hear this. God, we've heard this all the time. We've all heard the camel through the eye of a needle thing. And if we're honest, if we're honest, the majority of us—and I want to say all of us—but maybe there one be one person who's the exception. When we hear this verse, we apply it to not us. We say absolutely, those greedy rich. Guys, they're selfish? Absolutely. And if those rich guys don't learn how to be unselfish, like me, if those rich guys don't realize the blessing God has given them, like I do, then they're in trouble of missing out on the kingdom of God. If we're honest, we hear these words, we don't apply them to ourselves. This applies to the elite. This applies to the people who have like seven zeros behind their salary. This applies to the people whose last names is Buffett and Gates and maybe our president, new president elect. Okay, this applies to people who are that top 1.1 percent who are able to, to to swim in money. Okay, and blow their nose on hundred dollar bills. That's who this applies to. But it doesn't apply to me because I'm struggling to make ends meet. You don't see the bills that I have. You're not gonna put my kids in college. You're not having anything saved for retirement. Like you don't know me that I'm, I'm a. i am could lose my job. I got a mortgage. I just doesn't apply to me. This applies to those people. Well. After Jesus said this, the most interesting verse of the scripture reading is the next verse. Jesus said this verse, by this time the rich man had left. So the rich man was out of the picture. The rich man was out of the picture. He had left. Right now Jesus is just with his disciples, and he told them how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom. The only people who are listening are his disciples. And then Jesus said that, and look how his disciples responded. Verse 26, and they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who then can be saved what do you notice about the way they responded versus the way we respond to this same passage we hear this and we automatically look around and say that's right preach on the disciples looked at this path heard this verse and they looked at who at themselves now who were the disciples the richest of the rich the high class of society the people who were living in luxurious mansions, the disciples were nobodies, fishermen. Many of them illiterate. Yet somehow they heard this and they realized Jesus isn't just speaking to the guy who left. Jesus is speaking to me. When he's saying about be careful when you have riches in the kingdom of God, be careful. That's why after this, we won't read the rest of it. But Peter, if you know what Peter responds, Peter says, Lord, we have left all and followed you. So Peter gets a little bit like even defensive, like that's not us. We have left all and followed you. And Jesus said, don't worry, I know. And that's why he says, assuredly, at the end of that passage, anyone who has left father, mother, wife, or children, or land, or family, for my sake, for the gospel, receive a hundredfold in this time and eternal life. Here's the part not to miss. Here's the most important part. Don't miss this. When Jesus spoke about riches and salvation, when Jesus spoke about riches and salvation, his disciples, the people who knew him and understood him the best, didn't look around. They looked at themselves. When Jesus spoke about riches and salvation, his disciples looked at themselves. What that says to me is the following, upon which we will build this series. What that says to me is that we, maybe our understanding of what does the word rich means is different than Jesus' understanding. For sure, the guys who heard Jesus speak about rich Their understanding of it is different than than the way we understand it because we would look at it and say, disciples, y'all are okay. Y'all are safe. Y'all aren't rich by any means. But they said, no, no, no. Based on what Jesus said, we must take action. Their understanding of what rich is is different maybe than my understanding. And that's why we are asking ourselves this question is what is rich? And the first definition that I'm going to give you today is that this, is if you want to know what rich is, rich is not a stationary target. Rich is a moving target. Rich is not a point in time. Rich is something which is constantly running, and many of us are running after. Gallup Poll did a survey, and they asked people, what is rich? How much would your salary have to be for you to consider yourself rich? That's what they asked people. And they asked people, how much do you currently make And how much do you need to make to be rich okay maybe something that we've all thought of if I get to this point then I'll be rich well the results are as follows that for people who are making less than thirty thousand dollars per year people making less than thirty thousand dollars per year the average answer was seventy four thousand dollars for people making less than thirty thousand dollars a year they said if we ever get to the point where we make 74 grand in one year then we got it made, then we are rich. I won't ask for a show of hands, but I'm quite certain that many people in this room make more than $74,000 per year and don't even consider themselves close to rich. Well, I'm telling you the people under 30,000 disagree with you, they say you're rich. Next bracket up, people making between 30 and 50, from 30 and $50,000 per year, their average number was $100,000. Now, I again, I know, that there are some individuals here making $100,000. I know for certain there are households in this room that are making well over $100,000 when you combine the income. And if I were to ask you, are you rich? You'd say, rich? I got soccer uh, uniforms to buy. I got to put my kids in school. I got to save for a 401k. I'm not rich. Like, I'm the furthest thing from rich. Well, the people making between $30,000 and $50,000 would disagree with you. You want to go even higher? A different study. Of the top income earners in the United States of America, people whose net assets—I'm sorry, yeah, whose net worth was $500,000 and above—okay, people whose $500,000, half a million dollars and above—asked them the same survey. What does it take to be rich? You ready for this? The majority of them, 45 percent, was the largest number, said that to be rich, $5 million. That's what it takes to be rich. 25 percent answered $25 million. And 8% said, I won't be rich until I get to $100 million. Who can argue with that logic? Can't argue there. Just see, follow me here, follow me here, okay? And I don't want to oversimplify this. But there's a guy out there today making $3 million a year who thinks he's not rich, according to these survey. There's a guy out there making $3 million a year who thinks that he's not rich. Why? because Rich is a moving target. Don't believe me? Look at yourself. Your experience and my experience confirms this. I remember one of my first jobs was when I was at University of Virginia, second year of college. I worked at Superfresh Grocery Store. To this day, present job included, I said that was my best job ever. That is what I was made to do. I love that job. I worked making $9.25 an hour. My job was dairy department unloading the trucks. I still to this day have my box cutter that I used to use to cut open those boxes, okay? And I loved it, and I was just like, that was my favorite job ever. And I dreamed of one day, one day making $12 an hour. And I said, if I ever get to the point of like, if I could be a bagger, like baggers got a lot of money because they got tips. Cashier, oh my goodness, like I'd be living the dream. I would definitely, like all the girls would want me if I was a cashier. Because I would have so much money. But then eventually, okay, my grocery store career finished. And eventually I graduated with a degree and I got a job offer at a consulting company making, watch this, $39,000 per year. And I said, oh my goodness, what am I going to do with $39,000 per year? What am I going to do with that? I'm going to be the richest person in the whole wide world. Until. My roommates, my friends, told me they got similar jobs making more money. And I remember in particular, there was one guy, I'm kind of a shy guy, I know you can't tell, but I'm, I'm a shy, and not a confrontational kind of guy. Everyone was getting like 42, 43, something like that. So one guy said, no, 39, like you're getting chipped. You got to call and negotiate. I'm like, I don't know, negotiate. Like, I'm just happy, like, he said, no, you don't, tell me what to say. So I picked up the phone, I called, you know, he's there with me, he's coaching me up. And I said, you know, uh, I'd like to speak to whatever, whatever. And I get to the person, and I say, you know, you offered me 39. He told me what to say. So I don't remember. You know, I think it's in fairness that, you know, Mike, well, whatever. And I said this stuff, and I think 41. And she responded back saying, like, well, sir, you know. And before she even said it, I'm like, okay, that's fine. Forget it. it. Just don't take my way, I'll take it. I'll take it. 39. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. I just didn't want to lose it because to me, 39 is like rich. But of course, I saw everyone else making more money. So what happened? Rich moved. Rich was $12 an hour. And then I got 39 and Rich jumped to mid-40s and then let's say $50,000. That's where I say, I want to get to $50,000 one day. And I'm going to climb the corporate ladder to get to $50,000 one day. Well, won't go the rest of the story, but if if you, you know how this story goes, is that there was a time when we thought something would make us rich. And then once we get there, we notice that Rich moved. So when you're single making $39,000, you want to get to 50. And then all of a sudden you get married. And all of a sudden, $50,000, no more Rich. I felt like at that point in time, Rich took a big jump. Okay, rings and honeymoons and houses and food and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden a kid came in the picture and Rich got in a car and started driving away. Second kid came. I, last time I saw Rich, boarding a plane saying, I'll, I'll be back. Okay, don't hold your breath. And I'm still looking for Rich to come back. My point is this, be honest. Is there, Was there a time in your life that what you are making today, you classified as rich? That you look to say, if I get to that point, I'll be rich. And now you find yourself at that point and looking for another point. Why? Because rich is a moving target. So the goal of this series, the goal of today especially, is to realize what is rich? What is rich? Is there a chance? I'm already in it and I don't even know it. Because I want to be, I'm not here to make anybody feel guilty for being rich, because I don't believe that, and I'll say it in a second, I believe riches is a gift from God, and it's a blessing from God, but I believe that with every blessing from God, if you don't know how to use it, it'll end up hurting you. And I believe that we need to not be embarrassed about being rich, not deny the truth, but we need to learn how to be rich. And that's why I say the following. Follow me here on this one. If I don't feel rich, then I'll continually try to get rich never recognizing that I am already rich and therefore, I will always live poor. There's America 2016 in a nutshell right there, ladies and gentlemen. That's our society that we live in. If I don't feel rich, I'll continually try to get rich. I'll continue to try to chase the carrot. I'll continue to try to find rich, never realizing that I'm already rich and therefore, I will always live poor. So here's what we're going to do here today and throughout this series. We're going to take a step back, okay? We're going to take a step back from the bubble. You know the bubble? We live in a bubble. We live in a, in, a, in a, okay, our country is a bubble from the rest of the world, and specifically where we live, Northern Virginia, D.C. metropolitan area is one of the richest areas And in the richest country, one of the richest countries in the entire world. So we really, really, really live in a bubble. And we think that we have problems, but our problems, like in our bubble problems, like Wi-Fi is slow. The the thing ran out of milk for my macchiato, whatever. Or I went to the restaurant and there was no place to plug in my phone and charge. Like big problems that we have, this bubble. And what we're going to do right now is we're going to get an an, an airplane and we're going to travel around some different places of the world and we are going to ask what is rich? Let's stop taking our definition and let's see what others would say rich is. We're gonna to go to different places. First, we're gonna stop in the slums of Calcutta, where people die of starvation every single day. You just walk down the street and you see people, not just from the movies, but people who have gone there have told me that it is not a strange thing to see dead people in the street and you know exactly why they die because they didn't have food to eat. And you're gonna go there and you're gonna say, what is rich? You know what they would say? They would say, rich is this. There are some people who are so rich are so rich that they have rooms full of food in their house rooms not drawers not cabinet but rooms full of food in their house and they go to these gigantic warehouses and they buy boxes and boxes and boxes of food the kind of no human being could possibly consume could feed a village for a month and then they look at all that and say we have nothing to eat and they go out and pay someone else to make food for them, and then complain about the food that they make. There are certain people in this world that are that rich. We're going to go to a small village in Haiti, has had a lot of troubles and natural disasters over the past few years or past however long it's been, and a lot of that country has been, a lot of that island has been destroyed in so many different ways. You're going to say to them, "What is rich?" And they would say to you, "I hear that there's this people in the world somewhere that again, not just have." like a drawer of clothes, not a box of clothes, not a suitcase of clothes, but they have rooms. They have rooms that are bigger than the size of my house, full of clothes, full of clothes, like enough clothes that every day for two weeks they can wear a different outfit, every day for two weeks they have that much clothes. And then they look in there and they say, this is not enough clothes for me. This is old and this is out of style and they go buy more clothes. I don't even know where they put these clothes. There are people that are that rich they have rooms where they can literally walk into them to see their clothes. And I won't touch the shoes, ladies, don't worry. We're going to go to a country that I've been to personally, uh, I think three times, at least twice, the Democratic Republic of Congo, it used to be known as Zaire, one of the poorest countries in Africa. And you go there, and I've heard something similar to what I'm about to say. OK, I've heard this. There are some people who are so rich. What is rich? Some people are so rich that, number one, they live in homes. Not like us. They live in homes. Not huts. Homes. And they're so rich, they move around in cars. And they're so rich that even their cars have a home. It's called a garage, which is bigger than the majority of people in that country. It's quadrupled the size of the majority of people in that country's entire home, where we put our cars. You say, but I don't feel rich, but <laughs> I don't feel rich. Let's go straight statistics right now, just to make my case so that I rest the case right here. If you are a single person, single person, one income, in your, one income you make $45,000 per year, you are in the top 1.7% of income earners in the world, not in the country, in the world. you can make $45,000. If you shoot up to $56,000, a number that most of us, or many of us, I should say, if we're not there, we're not far away from, you are in the top 1% of income earners in this world. Families, dual income households, if your income in your household with two people working is $93,000, you are in the top 0.9% of the 7 billion people in this world. And let me put that in a little perspective for you. Right here in this room, I estimate 200 people, probably a little bit more, but let's say 200 people in this room. You know what 1% of 200 people is? Two. That means if the entire world's population is represented by the people in this room, if you make more than $56,000 as an individual and $93,000 as a couple, if you make more than that, you are one of the two richest people in this room. You have more money then then, then, everyone, then 198 people in this room make less than you. You're one of the top two. You may not be number one, but you're either one or two. And now let me ask you a question again. Are you rich? Our problem is we don't feel rich. So we continue to try to get rich, never recognizing that we already are rich and therefore we live poor. Why is it we don't feel rich? Let's be honest. Why is it? I just gave you those statistics that say, regardless of how you feel, fact is a fact, you're rich. If 98% of the world, 99% of the world makes less than you, you're rich. Why is it we don't feel rich? You know why we don't feel rich? A, because we consume everything that we have. And B, because we want to consume even more. That's why we don't feel rich. It's not because God hasn't given us. It's because everything that he has given us we have spent and then we desire to spend even more. So when God gives this, we spend this. So therefore you don't feel rich because you've got a shortage. And then God gives this and then you spend this. And as long as you continue to not feel rich, you'll continue to try to get rich and you'll always end up living poor. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10 says, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. It's a trap. It's a trap is what the Bible is saying. Whoever doesn't think they're rich will always try to get more, get more, get more. But when does more end? When does it end? When do we get to the point that say, more, we have enough more. We don't need any more. We got more than enough. Let me show you just exactly. I'm going to give you one visual and then I'll move on. But I got to just make sure that we're all on the same page. Let me show you exactly how rich you are, okay? In my pocket here is $3 bills. $3 bills. I'm gonna take one, I'm gonna throw it over there. I'm gonna take another one, throw it over there. I'm gonna take another one, throw it over there. No stampede? No one rushed the stage? Well, did you know that over 3 billion people will work all day today somewhere in the world and not make $3? So, in most places in this world, 3 billion is about half the population. Most places in this world, if I were to take $3 like that and throw them in the middle of the room, there'd be a rush to try to get them. But not in this room. Why? Because we are rich. It's time to stop denying the truth and admit it. Why is it that we're afraid to say we're rich? Why is it that that, that it's so hard for us to say that? Why is it we feel guilty saying I'm rich? Well, I don't think... That we need to, because I think that riches, Ecclesiastes 5.19, Solomon says, For every man to whom God has given riches and wealth, and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor, this is a gift of God. Riches is the one gift that somehow we're embarrassed about. That we feel like it's guilty to say, I'm rich. That we feel like it's somehow it's wrong. Think about it in another area. Let's say someone came to me and says, you have a great marriage. You have a great marriage. You have been blessed with a great marriage. What am I going to say? No, 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 no. No, nah, that's not that good. No, nah, no, nah, you don't know my wife. She's not that great. That's not that great. Why? I'm going to say, yes, I know. God gave me the best wife. It's a gift from God. I didn't earn it. It's a gift from God. Absolutely. And I thank him for it, and I utilize it to the best of my ability because it's a gift from God, and I know this gift comes with a responsibility. Why is it when it comes to the gift of riches that we're embarrassed we feel guilty? I don't think we need to feel guilty. Like, I'm not here to tell you you're rich, you're bad, give all your money. That's not what I'm saying at all. And in fact, you're going to see throughout this series, I'm not going to ask you to give money once. I'm not going to ask you to give money once. I'm going to ask you not to give anything, but I'm asking you to change the way you look at it. I don't care about what you give, especially if you give out of guilt, end of season, end of year tax. Like, that's not, that's not what it's all about. I'm trying to get you to change the way you view what God has blessed you with. And I think we don't need to feel guilty about it. We need to feel grateful. Proverbs 10:22. the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. He adds no sorrow to it. I don't need to feel guilty that I am richer than 99% of this world. I am in the top 1%. I don't feel guilty about it. But with that said, I have to admit it. I have to recognize it. And then I have to use it wisely. To use it wisely. So therefore, say it. You're going to repeat after me. God has blessed me with more than I need. Say it again. God has blessed me with more than I need. Therefore, I am rich. God has blessed me with more than I need. Therefore, I am rich. Feels weird to say it, doesn't it? But that's the truth of the matter. And we need to stop feeling guilty for it. And instead, what we need to do, which we're going to do starting today, but really over the next two weeks, is figure out if I am rich, then how am I supposed to use my riches? Because maybe God made me rich for a reason. Because every gift comes with an inherent responsibility. Look what St. Paul says here in First Timothy chapter 6. I'm going to pick up my dollar bills because they're distracting me. I'm sorry. Okay. Just to make sure no little guys come in there. Okay. I'm rich, but your holidays are coming. Okay, so let's go First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. Command those who are rich. Pause right there. Command those who are rich. This is a letter being written from St. Paul to Timothy. Timothy is like a bishop, kind of like a leader of a church. And he's telling him, Timothy, talk to the rich people in the church and tell them the following. So when this says, command those who are rich, who is this for? I am commanding who? Who are the rich? I am rich. You are rich. This is not command Bill Gates. This is not talk to Warren Buffett, try to get an appointment with him and tell him this. This is speak to the people who are sitting in your pews who are in the top 1% of this world's population and command them the following. The, who Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works. See, he switched the definition of rich now. Rich is not just money. Ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come. They may lay hold on eternal life. Notice what he did not say. He didn't say those who are rich make them feel really guilty. Tell them that they're bad. Tell them that God hates rich people. That's not what he said. He didn't say kick them out of the church. He said tell them, the rich people, to go home, kiss their hands, and say, thank you, God, for the riches that you gave. Tell them to go home and thank God, and not to be haughty, not to be arrogant, not to think that they're so superior to 98% of this world and that's why they're rich because they're a higher species and just because they happen to be born in this country versus that country or they're lucky that their parents immigrated while their cousin's parents decided to stay. That doesn't make them anything great. Tell them not to be haughty nor to trust in those riches but to thank God and then let them do something good with those riches so they can be rich in other areas. You see in the back poster right there, in the back of the room, we have a poster called Realizing Rich. Okay, and what are you rich in? And what we're going to do is we're going to keep that up every week of this series and we're going to add to that because what we're going to see is we are truly rich in so many other ways other than just money. We are rich in money, but we are rich in other ways. Now I'm going to invite you as we go along this series to add up there what you are rich in. And once we realize that we're rich, we'll be able to live rich as opposed to living poorly. <clears throat> but with that said, based on this passage, this isn't my opinion. I didn't want to do this, but based on this passage, I have no choice. I have to instruct you and make you aware of the dangers of being rich, okay? Starting next week, we'll talk about how to apply our riches, okay, and what God wants to do with this. But today, I have to start with a warning that if you are rich, there's an inherent danger to being rich. It's not me. It's what St. Paul is saying right here. And specifically, there are three dangers that you have to be wary of. Now, again, you are tempted to say, I'm not rich. This doesn't apply to me. Think of it this way. If there's someone who you know who has an alcohol problem, Someone who is a drunkard who drinks too much, then the devil's number one thing that he wants to do to him is convince him that all those verses in Scripture about about being drunk, all those all those messages about alcoholism, have nothing to do with him. That's the devil's number one job: is to get me to be convinced that if I drink too much, that I don't actually drink too much, that I don't actually have an anger problem, that I don't actually have a problem with when it comes to my my temper. The devil would love to convince me that this problem it doesn't apply to me. And I'm telling you, he's doing the same thing right now with you who are rich. He would love for you to listen to what I'm about to say and say, this doesn't apply to me. This applies to someone else. Father, he's not talking to me. No, we need to realize we need to look in the mirror and not let him win on this one. And realize that when it says, command those who are rich, this applies to us. Three things that it's dangerous to be rich. We'll go through these kind of quick. Number one, it is harder to depend on God. When you're rich, fact that you're rich means it's harder to depend on God there's a certain prayer that we all say, but we don't know what it means. We stand up and we say, give us this day our daily bread. We don't know what that means. We don't know what that means because we don't need bread for today. People who prayed this back in the old days, they used to pray and they used to wait for God to provide their daily bread, their daily meals, their daily sustenance. We don't need that because we got it already prepared. We, it's, it's, when I'm, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just trying to make you aware that when we have today provided for and tomorrow provided for and the next day and the next day and we got insurance on all of it and we got 401ks on all of it and we got everything saved up. We got health care. We have life insurance. Like when we got everything prepared, I'm not saying don't be prepared. We have to absolutely be prepared. But I'm saying that with that it makes it harder to trust in God. So we just need to be aware that with me, we may read stories in the Bible about, like, God providing the manna. We're like, how in the world? We don't understand that stuff. We may read stories of missionaries risking their lives and praying for God to protect. We don't understand that stuff. It's harder for us to depend on God. So we will always struggle with trust in God, which is important for us to know that. We will always struggle with trust. We will always fight against that, okay, by trying to trust God more, but just, fact, it's harder to depend on God. Number two. When we are rich, the danger is that it distorts your perspective. It distorts your perspective on what's truly important in life. You want to know how rich you are? You are so rich that you can. Church is important to all of us. We all believe that church is important, being part of a church family. That's why you're here on this Sunday. Being part of church is important. Everyone agrees that. But you are so rich that you can fill an entire month worth of Sundays, probably even two months worth of Sundays, with rich people activities and not make it to church on a Sunday because of your rich people activities. One weekend we're going to a, to a, a, a bachelor party in, 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 in on the, the island of whatever. Uh, one weekend we have a, a friend's wedding here or there. One weekend we have our, our, our company party. That's whatever it may be. One week is a business trip. One week uh, the repairman is coming to our house. Okay, we have to go to our, our, our house for, for our rich house for the, the, the repairman to fix our, our rich toilet so that our rich floor doesn't get wet with poor people water. Okay? What I'm saying is, we do all these activities that we don't realize, and we could, you know, miss church for a month and think nothing of it. Oh, it's just that work is busy. It's just life is busy. We can fill up. This is why. This is why it's very important for us here in this church. One of the things that we always talk about. Is the importance of being outside the walls of the church in the community okay for those who were here last week we did a great event we do this on a, at least on a yearly basis we call it inside out where we pray the liturgy in the morning and then we cancel the well but we don't cancel the well we actually take the well outside we take the church to the streets because the church is not these walls the church is us so we went downtown last week to a park in dc we fed the homeless Okay, and we gave them the hygiene kits, and we talked, and we laughed, and we sung, and we had a great time. And it's important for us to keep our perspective, keep our perspective that maybe, you know what, maybe there's more going on than meets the eye here. that maybe the greatest problem in the world is that I haven't, maybe I haven't upgraded my phone in a year, it's not the greatest problem in the whole wide world. Maybe there's people who would love to have an iPhone 5 like me, oh, poor me, iPhone 5 living in the stone ages. This is also why we do things like we talked about earlier, like the holiday party. This is why we do things like the the love your city, because it's important for us that we be out there. I'll tell you for me personally, I I think for me personally, one of the most critical and essential things that I ever did in my life is I graduated in college in 1998. And I, at that time, was I was work, IT. And that time, it was very easy to get IT jobs. That was before everything crashed, okay? I only worked two years, okay, in the IT field. And I made it go from the best field ever to a total crash okay that was me okay because when I left there was okay but I was in in the peak right there so basically my point is we were the ones who were driving it like there was more like the the demand was higher than the supply so they hired me and I said I don't want to start work until September so I graduated in May and start in September and they said okay and during that time I went to a mission trip my first ever mission trip and I spent five weeks in Africa in the countries of Kenya Tanzania and Uganda and I honestly think that was one of the best things that ever happened to me in my life. And I see a lot of people who graduated with my, like my class, my generation, who became very materialistic. And I don't think I'm better than they are. But I think I was blessed and fortunate enough to have an opportunity to see what life is like before I started tasting the dollar bills. So before the money started influencing me and the riches influencing me, I got a chance to see what life is really like out there. And I got a chance to see sit with a family of four that lived in a smaller than one quarter of this stage right here. And this was the bedroom and the kitchen and the bathroom. And I'll never forget the sight of when I saw it, like, like I said, the bathroom part of it. it was, and was, that, that never leave me. Then all of a sudden, I started getting money and I was living at home, so I was really making good money and I didn't and, and have many friends, so I mean, I was, I was living the dream, okay? And then all of a sudden, this money, in perspective of that, without that, I don't think I'd be any different than the people who were lost by the money. It distorts your perspective of being rich. Three, and most important for us here for the rest of this series, is you have a greater responsibility. No doubt God made us rich. No doubt. None of us are denying it. I'm not denying it. You're not denying it. We all know we're rich. The riches come with a responsibility. How many people think that God made you rich? Let's do this, raise your hand. How many people think God made you rich so you can spend it all on yourself and have the most up-to-date and the most high-tech of any electronics, have the biggest house possible and the nicest car possible? How many people think that's why God made you rich? Good. Imagine we were younger. I have two brothers. So sometimes our parents would send all three of us someplace to the park or to the pool or whatever it may be. And they would give us money for snacks, but they wouldn't give money to all of us. They would give money to my older brother and they would say, here's 10 bucks. What is he supposed to do with those 10 bucks? Look at me and, and my younger brother and say, ha ha, mom and dad love me more than you. Like I'm going to buy three popsicles and I'm gonna buy three hot dogs and ha ha. ha. Would anyone, anyone with half a brain think, that the parents gave it to the older son so that he could have it all for himself and stinks for you too. Well, how come when it comes to the rest of this world and the money, the rich we've been given, that's how we we act. That's how we act. We're in the top 1%. We're the older brother in the family of the world. We're the older brother. We've been given a lot. And now what? Ha-ha stinks for you. More for me. Two popsicles for me. Luke chapter twelve verse forty eight says, "For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required; from to him and to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more." This is why maybe you've heard the term prosperity gospel. It's a, it's a it's a term that's thrown out there a lot, which is basically that some you know churches might preach that you know follow God and He'll make you rich. You know, follow God like serve God and He will like make you prosperous. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. You know why? Because we're already rich. We're already the richest people in the world. Like. How selfish must we be to say, God, make me, like, make me rich? We're already the richest people, live in one of the richest counties, and in one of the richest states, and the richest country in the world. And we sit there and say, God, bless us? Make us rich? God has already blessed us. And he's already made us richer than anybody else. It's time to stop denying the truth and start to accept the fact that I am rich. But the fact that I'm rich isn't something to be embarrassed about. It's a responsibility. And maybe God gave me $10, and maybe I need to find who are those younger brothers that I need to share my hot dog with. Who are those younger brothers that I need to buy them a popsicle, not just for myself? Because if big brother comes home at the end of the day, and the parents ask the kids, what did you do? What did you eat while you were gone? And younger and younger say nothing. It's going to be a rough night for that older boy in that house. And rightly so. I think we would all agree that he deserves it. Finally, in case you're still not convinced by anything I'm saying, in case you're still convinced that you need more to be rich, let me just show you this last verse, which needs no explanation. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. The word of God says that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Jesus said the same thing in slightly different terms. One time Jesus told his disciples, you cannot serve God in money. You cannot. You cannot follow both God and money because in the end you have to choose. And I'm here to tell you this that this doesn't apply to everyone in the world but it certainly applies to the people we're sitting in this room here today that the number one competitor for your heart the number one competitor for your heart will be desire for more stuff. The number one competitor for your heart, your heart, we desire for more. Desire for bigger, desire for better. And if we don't learn how to get this under control, if we don't learn what it means that we are rich and start living richly, like realizing that we are rich, stop trying to get rich, and start learning how to live richly. And this will ultimately, as St. Paul says right here, can be the undoing for many people. My prayer for all of us is that instead of being guilty, being ashamed, denying the fact that we're rich, is admitting it and being honest, and then taking the next step to say, God, how can I honor you with the riches that you have given me? God has blessed me with more than I need, therefore I am rich, and now it is on me to every day figure out how I can honor God, and that's what we're going to talk about over the next two weeks, how not to get rich, but how to honor God with the riches that he's already given to us, okay? Let's stand together and say a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, when God, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you from the depth of our heart for all the blessings you have given to us financial blessings, like our physical health blessings, all the things, Lord, that we don't stop and thank you for enough. All the things, Lord, that we complain that we need more of. And and when we kind of take a step back, Lord, it really makes us feel like we're nothing more than greedy little kids who just you've given so much to them, we want more and more and more and more. We don't want to be those greedy little kids. We want to be the unthankful and ungrateful kids who on Christmas morning just say, This isn't good enough and I want more and I want more. Help us, Lord, to understand the truth. Help us to see the blessings blessings you've given to us and then to make use of them in a way that honors you and glorifies you in a way, Lord, that isn't a greedy way, but in a way that brings glory to your name. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. The prayers of all your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.